Hi, it's Akshat. We started Zero last year in the middle of a historic heatwave in London. Since then, tens of thousands of people regularly listen to the show, and we are so grateful. Now we want to know what you think about it. So we've created a survey that'll take a few minutes of your time, but it'll really help make the show better. The survey is linked in the show notes, or you can find it at bloomberg.com forward slash zero survey. That's one word, zero survey. Thank you. VCG believes that creating climate solutions is the defining challenge of our generation. So we're working with leaders everywhere to understand and mitigate the cost of climate inaction. But we're also helping them find ways to innovate, build sustainable businesses, and stay competitive in an evolving world. Stick around to discover the many opportunities in a more sustainable global economy. Welcome to Zero. I'm Akshat Rati. Every year, Bloomberg NEF awards a handful of leading climate startups the Clean Tech Pioneer Award. Back when the award was first launched in 2010, it focused on the kind of companies you would expect solar, wind, and batteries. But since then, the clean tech landscape has expanded in a thousand different directions. And this year's award features everything from crop spraying drones and microbial fermentation to nano electrodes and low carbon cement. Today, we are replaying an episode of Zero that features one of these winners. It's an interview with the founder of low carbon steel startup Electra. Their work is pretty cool, and if it proves scalable, could play a huge role in cutting emissions from the carbon-intensive steel industry. It's interesting to see how far the company has come in just the few months since this episode was aired. For the full list of winners of this year's Cleantech Pioneer Award, check out the link we've put in the show notes. Welcome to Zero. I am Akshat Rati. This week, steel, stealth, and flattening the carbon curve. This summer, I spent three weeks traveling around the US visiting climate startups. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of one of them, a secretive company called Electra that operates out of a suburban office park in Colorado. Electra is taking on a massive, often unrecognized problem, decarbonizing steel, an industry worth nearly $1 trillion that accounts for 7% of global greenhouse gas emissions. The vast majority of those emissions come from the first step in the process of making steel, converting iron ore to iron. What I pitched to him is like, I had four ideas actually, to be honest with you. First idea I was explaining to him was around iron and steel, of electrification at low temperature. And he said, let me stop you right there. I'm already sold. That's Sandeep Nijhavan, co-founder of Electra, describing a conversation with his first investor who was sold on the radical simplicity of what Sandeep was proposing. Zero carbon steel using iron produced at low temperature. Since that initial pitch, Electra has gone on to raise $85 million. What attracts people to Electra is the fact that not only can zero carbon steel solve a climate problem, but that it also has the potential to make a lot of money. That's one reason why Electra has been in stealth mode for the last two years. It did not want any of its ideas stolen. Now, the company is finally talking. 
because its idea has gone from a PowerPoint presentation to working at lab scale. What's the innovation? Coal plays a big part of making steel today. It is used to melt iron ore in a furnace and also to extract unwanted oxygen atoms. Coal provides both the fuel for heat and the carbon for extracting oxygen, in the process forming huge amounts of carbon dioxide. Electra's technology gets rid of both the furnace and the coal. It uses only renewable electricity and completes the reaction of making iron from iron ore at temperatures cooler than 60 degrees Celsius. No molten metal, no carbon emissions, and nothing hotter than your coffee. Crazy, huh? I talked to Sandeep about how he came up with this idea, built a team in the middle of the pandemic, and what the steel town of the future will look like. Sandeep, welcome to the show. Thanks, Akshat. Pleased to be here. Now, you're trying to solve a problem that most people don't think about, but it is a massive problem for the climate, and that is how to make steel without having emissions. Let's start with stating out the problem, though. Why is it that steel is such a big problem for climate change? Sure. Steel is, as you know, the backbone of our modern society. Steel is one of the hardest to abate sectors, and we produce about 1.9 billion tons of steel uh, each year. Why is there a CO2 problem at all? There is no CO2 coming in this process as far as most people would understand the process. Steel is actually 98% RN. The way the steel is made today is through a pyrometallurgy process that uses coal energy. We first melt the iron ore at about 1600 degrees Celsius using coal as a source of energy. And that carbon is also used to then refine or reduce or transform iron ore into pure iron. And that's because iron ore is mostly iron and oxygen combined, whereas what you want for steelmaking is pure iron or iron mixed with some small other elements. That's correct. So from a problem statement perspective, what this translates to is 90% of steel's emission come from refining the iron ore into iron to make steel. Now, it's intuitive that if you use coal to remove the oxygen from iron ore, and that coal then ends up into CO2 emissions, we don't want to use coal. There have been solutions that have been put forward where people use hydrogen instead, because hydrogen can also do the same job and convert the hydrogen and oxygen mixture into water, which does not contribute to climate change. So if we have that solution, why try something else? First of all, I mean, steel is as a $2 billion ton market, $1 trillion. So I think world needs multiple solutions to come to a resolution or transformation of how we're going to do that. Having said that, a hydrogen, as we know, uh, one of the challenges with hydrogen is a, its availability and cost. So to get to zero green premium steel, you need hydrogen at a dollar a kilo. When it's and self- when you say zero green premium, you're basically saying at the same cost as steel that can be made using coal. Correct. Without any carbon subsidy. You need dollar a kilo hydrogen to do that. But even more important, the issue 
of transforming our global steel production to a hydrogen-based process comes down to the availability of ores that are needed to make uh, hydrogen-based steel, green steel. And the reason that becomes a problem is that hydrogen-based process needs the highest grade of iron content available in the ores to make that happen. And the world is running out of high-grade ores that are available for steel making. At the same time, it's not that the world doesn't have iron ore. I mean, our planet is made of iron and there is plenty of iron ore. It's that it has certain grades of ore that cannot be economically processed. Which is that there are a lot of impurities. There are a lot of impurities and impurities are like phosphorus. Impurities are high silica, high alumina. For example, there is 8 billion tons of reserves of high phosphorus-containing ores in just one country like Australia. But that is worldwide. You will find these kinds of ores. Okay, so you're not using hydrogen to make your carbon-free steel. What is your solution that has got investors giving you $80 million to solve it? What we have is, um, starting with the clean sheet design, uh, a process to electrify iron making using widely available lower grade ores and radically shifting the operating temperature of the process from 1600 degrees to 60 degrees Celsius and thereby displacing the carbon intensive coal energy with renewable energy to make pure iron. And your process has no fire attached to it? All green. It is low temperature. In fact, you could touch it. And I mean, it is as benign from a temperature perspective you can get. Yeah, your coffee is brewed at a higher temperature. Yeah, coffee is brewed at a higher temperature. Absolutely. So you go from the process as it exists today, where you take iron ore, burn coal, heated to 1600 degrees Celsius, create iron, and in the process, even steel. It's a one-place process. Iron ore comes into a plant, it goes through a series of steps, and out comes steel. You're splitting that process into two steps. You're making only iron first, and then somebody else will make the steel. But because iron making is 90% of emissions, that's the step you want to attack. That's correct. That's where the problem is. How do we get to pure iron without having emissions? Okay, so you're not using hydrogen. You're not going to heat this to 1600 degrees Celsius, but keep it at 60 degrees Celsius. You're going to use electricity. Where is that electricity coming from? Because most electricity generation, even today, has carbon dioxide emissions attached to it. Yeah. What we're bringing forth is our ability to use intermittent renewable electricity, which is, of course, now increasingly available at scale. So this is solar and wind. Correct. These are solar and wind. If hydro is available, we'll use hydro as well. But what is the cheapest form of zero carbon electricity is intermittent solar and wind today, period. Let's talk about how you arrived at this solution in the first place, because You weren't making steel before this. Your previous companies had to do with hydrogen production and energy storage. Um, So why go down the route of making steel? Yeah, so my background is in electrochemical conversion systems. So one of the batteries storage companies that I had was developing an iron-based battery storage. Uh, It was actually specifically nickel iron. So that's Edison's chemistry, 100 years old, highly robust chemistry, but iron is the means in which you're storing the energy. So I knew a few things, not all, but a few things about iron, I would say. And my career of whether 
doing energy storage or hydrogen were all tied towards decarbonization as a professional goal and that being the North Star uh, of my career. And Electra is really continuation of the journey in terms of picking one of the hardest to abate sectors. And then if there is a solution to be had, then making a big impact with it. And so you come to this point where you're like, okay, this is a big problem. I need to solve this. Yeah. So I started thinking about this at the peak of the pandemic in March 2020. So you remember, how can we flatten the curve? Remember flattening the curve? We feel like if we can get America to all pitch in for the next 15 days, we can flatten the curve, which is a term that you've been hearing a lot, not overwhelm our healthcare systems. And I was basically, okay, that's great. I'm not a biologist. I can't really impact the thing. What can I do to flatten the global temperature that has been rising and is expected to go to two degrees Celsius? And that's where I said, well, let's pick the problem like steel, which can have a huge impact. I remember in March 2020, I was just worried that we may not be able to find a vaccine. You know, I am a climate journalist, so I was thinking about climate change, but I wasn't thinking about starting a company that would try and solve a climate problem rather than a vaccine problem. While, you know, uh, pandemic was not the place I would wish to have again ever, but I was through a transition of my previous companies. Uh, there was not a whole lot you can go on a vacation or sit on a beach uh, and do a lot, whole lot of things. So there was plenty of time to sort of think and sort of refine my thinking of what can be done here. Um, and you, I don't have a background in steelmaking, but as an entrepreneur, I'm a very fast learner. And so you thought about it, you thought about the problem and you made a PowerPoint presentation. That's correct. There were seven slides in it. And it was actually a five minute conversation with our lead investor, uh, which is Bill Gates founded Breakthrough Energy Ventures, uh, in particular, Dave Danielson there. And what I pitched to him is like, I had four ideas, actually, to be honest with you. Steel was one of them. And I said, I need 30 minutes to walk you through some of these ideas I have. First idea I was explaining to him was around iron and steel of electrification at low temperature. And he said, let me stop you right there. And he said, you don't have to go any further than that. I'm already sold. If you could do this thing, that's what I want to do. I don't want to hear the next three ideas. And that was the journey we started on um, in March 13, 2020, the day before California shut down. Right. Okay. And that was my first and only investor meeting face-to-face -face I ever had for the next two years. Okay. And so how big a check did you get? Our first check at the seed was $2.25 million, uh, not just from Breakthrough, but a number of investors. And my pitch to all of them was, look, I don't know if this can be done. I've thought through the problem and ask the experts. I think there is a feasibility path, but all I need is less than 10 people, maybe a year, year and a half to run this thing to ground, to prove to myself first, can this be done? Because if this cannot be done, I have idea number two, three, and four <laughs> to work on. And, and they're also big problems to solve. And we had the money in the bank by end of June, essentially, it took us, you know, three and a half months to close that round. And then what did you do next? Because you needed more people, you needed some Absolutely. science base. The success of anything at the end of the day comes to the team, right? So you need people who can essentially think through a problem, break down a problem like this, find the fatalities um, and solve them in the right sequence. 
because you don't have time or the money to boil the ocean. So you have to really think through what needs to happen, what has to be met to move forward, okay? That there is a path forward here. Of course, we started in a garage. Um, no, it really was a garage. I mean, that's a, a, that's a Silicon Valley stereotype. It is not a stereotype. It is the real answer because... Um, Whose garage was it? It's one of our employees that later joined as an employee. He was started as a consultant. And of course, some of these folks started without getting paid because we didn't have money to pay them. And the idea was if we get raise the money, you know, you will have an opportunity to think about you want to join full time or not because it's a very high risk project. Some of them had full time jobs and this is pandemic. You know, I remember people were losing jobs, a lot of instability in the economy and people were hunkering down in terms of keeping their head above the water. Right. So it was uh, one of the employees that we have today, um, his garage. And he's also has a machine shop there that he makes parts with on his free time. He makes drones actually as a hobby. <laughs> so it was a very convenient garage where we can build parts and we can start making our test equipment and cells. Of course, uh, we cannot do certain things in the garage from safety perspective. So we had to wait to get to a real laboratory where we can run experiments. So beyond the PowerPoint, did you really have a plan for how you would solve the problem? Look, I did have a starting point, right? So it was, in this case, almost ignorance was a bliss. What you don't know, you don't know. But what you're promising to the investor is, look, we will run this thing to ground. We will figure out every possible plan of attack. And, and I knew exactly when I started who the best person would be that could do it. That person was Quok Pham who we met on our tour of the company. Do I need to introduce myself? Um, yeah, say your name for me. I'm Kok Pham. I'm the Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Electra. So welcome. Quark was at another company that I actually had a non-solicit. I actually could not go to Quark and bring him and say, Quark, come please join me. That would be violation of my contract. It was actually around early August that Quark called me. It was not me calling him. Quark called him and like, okay, I'm done. I want to do something different. And I said, well, timing is perfect. And here's what I'm thinking. What Sandeep was thinking was maybe they could make iron the way other metals are made, like zinc, aluminum, and copper. They're all made using electricity. But when you come to iron, this becomes a really a mess. Because iron does not behave like the other metals. Remember, iron ore is made of iron and oxygen. To get the pure iron that you need to make the steel, you have to separate iron from oxygen. That can be accomplished with electricity, which is the promise Sandeep made to investors. But you cannot pass electricity through solid iron ore. You need to dissolve iron ore in a liquid first, an acid in this case. Figuring out how to dissolve iron ore in acid was Quark's first job. The moment we get the lab space, the very first experiment that I ran in the lab was to verify, can we even dissolve iron ore? And not too much to my surprise, we could not. And so I remember going to Sandeep's office and I told him, hey, I have a bad news for you. You need to sit down. We cannot dissolve iron ore, so which means that forget about what we plan to do because that's the very first step. It doesn't happen, end of the story. So I joke with him, that could have been my shortest thought-up life ever. But accepting the fact that it doesn't dissolve, 
accepting that I may have a short uh, job opportunity here. Let's see if I can turn the situation around. And he did turn the situation around. In a few months, Electra had the whole process from iron ore to iron made with only electricity working on a lab bench. Now, Electra does not want to share the secret sauce of how they made it happen. But I spoke to experts who reviewed parts of the technology and confirmed it is feasible. And the proof is in the pudding. When electricity is used for this process, the iron oxide is broken into oxygen, which is released as a gas, and iron, which is plated onto an electrode. I got to see those There's plates. There's rust on this. Yeah. Can I Because, remove it? Yeah, please, you can remove it. Um, with the silvery gray metal on them. Yeah, I don't think I've ever helped your iron in this form before. First, small ones the size of business cards, and then large ones the size of office paper. I even held them in my hands and, surprise, surprise, it's heavy. Yeah. They were heavy. Before it can be commercial, those plates will have to be much larger, something like three feet by three feet. After the break, I talked to Sandeep about how all this goes from the lab bench to a factory in a town near you. Today's leaders face many hard choices, confronted with uncertainty, cost pressures, and growing shareholder demands. But they don't have to choose between pursuing climate and business goals. In fact, BCG research suggests that these ambitions go hand in hand. Did you know at least 40% of executives at large organizations estimate an annual financial benefit of $100 million for meeting emissions reduction targets, according to recent BCG research? BCG also found that transitioning to the circular economy could help unlock $4.5 trillion of GDP growth by 2030. The cost of inaction, however, is profound. In fact, further analysis indicates that missing climate targets could result in an average annual EBITDA reduction of 15%. At BCG, our experts recognize the myriad benefits, from risk mitigation to first-mover advantage, that come with sustainability. Let's partner to unlock a better sustainability journey. And each of those steps that you had to solve, those were known science. It's just that the combination of those known science steps done in the specific way that you have done is what is the core innovation of Electra. That's correct. We are not inventing new science. We are not inventing new catalysts. We are not inventing new unobtainium material. Every aspect of science, all the material systems that we are needed to make this innovation happen is readily available. Parts of it are used in different processes. And our real innovation is bringing this all together to solve the problem. Right. Iron and steel, especially, is a very cheap commodity. Yes, it has a climate problem, but it's a cheap commodity because we have to use it at such a scale. So you had to use every step to be such a cheap, easy-to-do step that you could replicate the cost of steel as you can buy it from the market today. That is absolutely correct. And in addition to that, what I will also add, let's not forget, I had risk-only money for a year. So time pressure, do or die, in a startup is real. You don't have 10 years to develop the science, to create a new catalyst, to create a new material. It had to be solved or we move on from a fatality perspective. That was very important. You have to be in that pressure cooker, to be honest with you, rather than having infinite time available 
and resources available to see what can be done in a different way. Right. So 2021, you found a way to try and make these different steps work. What have you been doing for the last 18 months? Yeah, so in early 22, Q1 of 2021, we had on a bench top the entire process now going all the way from ore into pure iron already on place. Using that process and showing that it can be economically done at a price point that the world needs, we then went and raised additional capital and we raised 28 million by June of 2021. And we brought in other investors, co-investors into our syndicate. So now we have total raised $82 million. Since talking to Sandeep in August, the number has gone up to $85 million. And one of your investors is a mining company called BHP. Why uh, is BHP interested in this? Uh, To be honest, bringing strategic investors very early in the startup is not what a typical venture capital community will advise you to do that. And I overrule that, largely knowing or having a gut reaction that ores are going to be a big part of the story. So the goal of that strategic partnership was to explore what can be done from the ore side and how expansive is our process in in dealing with impurities and what kind of ores can be used to make green steel. So if I'm hearing you right, your solutions are you use as much energy or less energy than the conventional process. That energy is electricity that can be intermittent and renewable, so it has no carbon attached to it. And you can use lower grade iron ore, which is cheaper to get. So if you combine that and you scale it up, you'll have presented a carbon-free, cheaper way to make iron, but then you have to make steel, right? That's correct. And the next step is to take that iron and again smelt it or melt it and then adding other constituents to it to give steel its strength. But melting something is a very small amount of energy that is needed to make steel. It's very counterintuitive to most people, I would think. When you look at a hot piece of metal that's been melted, you go, oh my God, that would have taken a lot of energy. But when you look at iron ore and then you look at iron metal, you don't think energy. <laughs> That's correct, because what we are not seeing is that the energy is predominantly used to split oxygen uh, that is bonded to iron. And that's where the bulk of the energy goes to get the oxygen out. Now, if you use carbon, it makes CO2. If you use electrons, you do not produce any CO2. And you can get to pure iron, which is, again, the goal of all of these processes is. Um, before you can get to steel. When will you have your first factory making this carbon-free iron and hopefully steel after that? We are working on building a pilot um, and we should have this pilot working in 2023. This will be an industrial scale pilot. And what I mean by that, I need to clarify, is that it will have iron plates that are being uh, produced at low temperature process, which are meter square type of a area. And and the goal of that pilot is to stress test the design of the commercial plant we're actually doing at this point. So we need a place where we can stress test all the design in terms of what works, what doesn't work, and how do we scale that up to a full commercial scale. So what you're describing is very different from how people think of steel, because the steel industry as it exists 
has created entire towns that are steel towns where the only job maker is a steel factory and it takes up a huge amount of land and that land is required for making coal to pick up coke which is carbon you require iron ore that has to be cleaned up and put into this big furnace at 1600 degrees celsius then once you get iron out of it then you have to do something else to make steel all of that is a huge amount of investment are you saying that you can now make iron in a very small plant now i would say in terms of it's more distributed that it is modular in the sense that you don't need to create an integrated plant that has all of these feedstocks coming in in a plant and then steel goes out what this allows you to do is do this in a distributed way just the way ef steel making is done yeah can you explain what eaf is yeah so eaf is electric arc furnace it is the electricity powered arc furnace that is used to melt scrap or our pure iron and make into steel 30% of steel is made using eaf steel making it's a wild process as well oh yeah you'll see sparks flying everywhere oh yeah totally. it's giant and it's very noisy and once the process is done you see this like molten metal being poured Correct. down from that unit it's just yeah it's a no, wild it wild thing it, is. it happens everywhere it's it's, uh, it's just that not many people get to see it yeah i mean that's the way steel is made i mean and alternatively you also may have seen molten iron getting poured out of blast furnaces and that's the image we have grown up looking at iron it's hot almost the image of fire and of course all of that is coming from carbon intensity and co2 that goes along with it so in terms of job creation this is actually still a lot of job creation because this is manufacturing jobs that plant iron making plant i'm talking about is going to have 50 years life so it is going to create a town around it where you will have renewable electricity coming to their green jobs from that side you have iron ore being supplied so that is not going away and we are using green energy and ores to produce pure iron for next 50 years at that plant and the inflation reduction act or the biggest climate bill that the us has passed will that help you in any way oh absolutely um i would say that is the most exciting things i have seen in the climate tech space and 15 years of history i have had there is 7 billion of uh, investment that have been set aside to help decarbonize hard to abate industry like ours so steel is included cement is included and i'm planning to go to dc to start having conversations with policy makers that there is another way to get to green steel that doesn't involve all the known things we have had which is hydrogen which this is part of big tax credit that is already in the inflation reduction act or carbon capture or sequestration that's also part of what's in the inflation uh, reduction act and the solutions like ours that from first principle do not produce the co2 emissions that you're trying to abate through all of the tax credit that inflation reduction act is offering so the conversation i want to have with the policy makers is on that front is how can we be part of that equation to also accelerate and promote technologies like ours to get to scale faster. And that was a great conversation. Thanks for the tour and good luck with scaling up. Thank you. It was a pleasure to host you uh, at side and have this conversation.
Thanks for listening to Zero. For the full list of winners of this year's BNF Cleantech Pioneer Award, see the link in the show notes. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend or tell a budding cleantech entrepreneur. If you've got a suggestion for a guest or topic or something you just want us to look into, get in touch at zeropod at bloomberg.net. Zero's producer is Oscar Boyd and senior producer is Christine Driscoll. Our theme music is composed by Wonderly. Special thanks to Kira Bindram. I'm Akshat Rati, back next week. <laughs>